Welcome to The Power of Digital Policy, a show that helps digital marketers, online communications directors, and others throughout the organization balance out risks and opportunities created by using digital channels. Here's your host, Christina Podner. Welcome to another engaging episode of The Power of Digital Policy. I'm glad that you joined me today because we are going to hear my new friend here, Phil Bizanson, whose last name I just tried to pronounce correctly. He's going to tell me if I got it wrong. I think he's shaking his head already. You got it right. I was mm-hmm. like, it's just, it's literally, it sounds as if it's, as it's spelled. There's really not a lot of trickiness to it. Shockingly boring. Yeah. Well, that's all right. I have to admit though, that I don't think that you're that shockingly boring, but I do want to tell my audience that you are a managing partner at Bracewell LLP's Seattle office, co-host of Bracewell Sidebar Podcast. You also represent companies, senior management, board of directors, as well as individuals in internal investigations, which sounds scary, regulatory enforcement, and complex criminal and civil litigations. What do you really do all day, Phil? Frankly, I sit in front of a computer all day and I talk on the phone all day. So it's on a day-to-day basis, it's a lot more basic than you presented. But I mean, the problems and challenges are, are varied and they are interesting and some can be quite troubling for the people I, I work with, but it's big picture. It's all about problem solving and working with people to get through difficult situations, either difficult situations that they've uncovered on their own or difficult situations that have been brought to their doorstep, the litigants by governments, by agencies, regulators, or other outside actors that mean to be disruptive or worse. Well, one of those disruptions is China's new digital privacy law, the Personal Information Protection Law, also known as PIPL. And so I tapped you on the shoulder because we need to learn all about this. And I think actually a lot of folks need to learn about it very quickly because we're coming up on an enforcement deadline. Tell us more about this new protection law, Phil. Sure. So this is something that's been in the works for quite some time in China. And I think it's been, it was finalized at the end of August and it's uh, go live date, such as it is, is November 1st. So November 1st is when companies are going to have to really start to have their programs in place and be ready to manage the, the new requirements that, that China is expecting of organizations that operate both inside China and outside China, really to the extent that they touch any data that would be deemed personal information of uh, Chinese citizens. But, you know, it's funny, you use the word enforcement as a hook here. And it, it's fascinating that you said enforcement, because that's one thing that we know nothing about right now, which is how this piece of legislation is going to be enforced, when it's going to be enforced, who's going to be doing the enforcing and what the enforcement might look like. So a lot of questions and there are, as I understand it, various stakeholders in China that are working through sort of the nuts and bolts of how this thing is going to be put into practice. What exists right now is a framework of kind of guidelines and warning shots and expectations. And that's kind of where it is, right? And yeah, we can talk a lot about those warning shots, but I do think that in terms of timing, while people and organizations should start complying soon, 
and there is a November 1st start date for compliance expectations, I don't think we're going to see enforcement activity starting on November 2nd, but I mean, who knows, there may be some things that are pre-baked that, that, that China is planning to be aggressive about, but that's obviously one of the large unknowns with thinking about all kinds of policies and, and regulations and laws that you see coming out of China. Would you equate um, this new protection law along the lines of GDPR? When GDPR came into effect on May 25th, 2018, we knew that there was a framework, but we didn't quite understand how it was going to be enforced. And to a great degree, we're still trying to debate the nuances. And a lot of times there's this notion of like, yeah, there's a child's protection aspect of GDPR, but then we default to every member's local laws, if you will, for some interpretation. Is that sure. kind of what we're looking at here? I, I actually think that we're not even there yet. When GDPR went live, there was a lot written about it. There was a lot that was planned and set out. And you're absolutely right to refer to all the different local authorities that were set up and were in place to do things when GDPR went. I don't have the sense that a lot of that is present right now with China. And it, I, although I do think in terms of planning and preparation, organizations that have a mature GDPR internal program, set of policies, data mapping capabilities, those organizations are going to be far better prepared to deal with the Chinese privacy law than organizations that are not, you know, steeped in GDPR compliance and GDPR familiarity. That's interesting. What you just said is those that have already become compliant with GDPR will be prepared to deal with this Chinese new law. But you didn't say, oh, you'll be fine. You just have to extend it or apply it to China. So there's some nuances there that I'm assuming, or there's some differences or enough for you to say that you'll be prepared, but not ready to just kind of roll into China and operate under existing GDPR framework. Do we understand some of the differences there yet, or is it really very grainy? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that is going to be most interesting to to see as someone with a little bit of arm's length distance to the problem versus yeah, an organization that's going to have to jump in and be compliant are the obligations to have either a presence in China that is certified to manage data of Chinese citizens or to have some other mechanism in place for being in China to be compliant if you're going to do any sort of cross-border data transfers. GDPR has, in sort of broad terms, is very reactive to something happening. I mean, most GDPR enforcement issues arise from an individual coming into some sort of conflict, however minimal, with an organization that has the individual's data that may or may not be managed correctly. And then it gets routed through the different local authority compliance or enforcement mechanisms. And certainly the data mapping capabilities that a company has to deal with GDPR will be very, very, very helpful in dealing with China. In, in China, however, there, there is an expectation that if you're going to have Chinese data, the data should stay in China and it should be housed in some fashion 
by an entity that meets Chinese approval. If you already have data that's outside of China, that's okay. But if you're going to move it around, you'll also have to demonstrate to China that you are sort of worthy of having this data and are handling it responsibly. Is there a place, if you will, if you already don't have your data stored in China because you're doing business outside of China, but you're doing it with Chinese citizens, is there a place that you should think about placing your data right now in preparation for this law? Thinking about GDPR, for example, some companies chose to move their data into the EU or at least somewhere in the EU or into a country that would be friendly towards the EU. Should you be doing something like that for this Chinese law as well? Well, I think there there are two different ways to approach this. One, for organizations that are already sort of outsourcing a lot of data management to cloud services providers, you, you can you can be fairly confident that the cloud providers are all over this and are thinking about it very carefully and how to how to manage it. So it's probably worthwhile having conversations with cloud services providers that you already use about this issue. If you're not using a, a cloud service provider and you have Chinese data, then really the question is, what are the business hurdles to establishing a presence in China that can manage data? Because that's not something that you can just flip the switch and do overnight. Or if you're going to keep data where it is or keep it in the manner where it's kept, what can you do to ensure that the data mapping really is solid so you can isolate it if you need it? And what sort of protections can you put in place to demonstrate that the data is being sort of kept appropriately private and protected and again can be accessed and moved around by a Chinese citizen if a Chinese citizen so chooses to, you know, access data and request its return or request its portability or, or something else that would be, uh, you know, covered by the, the new legislation. And I heard from somebody, I don't know um, how accurate this is. You're definitely the expert in this area, but a colleague of mine had mentioned that there might be a stipulation in this law as well, that you need to be mindful of infrastructure data. So not necessarily that belongs to a citizen, but data that would point back to China's infrastructure or information that would sort of identify government aspects or operations as well. So is this a situation where there's a distinction between China's new law and GDPR, where there's a focus on more than just citizen data? Well, there, it's funny. There, there are three different pieces of Chinese legislation that have kind of all hit roughly at the same time. And there is specific legislation that, that focuses more on general data transfers and then also on some specific industry-based data. So all three of these items are converging right now. And the different legislations kind of overlap in some respects, but are unique in, in some respects as well. And, and also uh, they include some fairly broad catch-all terms. So it, it wouldn't surprise me if one or more, or if not all three pieces of this recent Chinese le legislation touched on things beyond specific personal private information. It's certainly safe to assume that additional types of data are relevant and Again, as the details, supervision, assessment, enforcement get developed in the months or perhaps years ahead, I'm sure we'll learn a whole lot more about what kind of data is actually most interesting or 
going to come under the most scrutiny under this sort of web of data monitoring or data protection? Historically, we've actually seen in China, individual corporate managers, CFOs, CEOs, put in jail for things like transferring sensitive data that shouldn't be transferred outside of the country. Do you think that we'll start to see some of that type of action under this law or related to this law? Uh, Certainly possible. I'm not sure individual corporate wrongdoers are the primary target of this legislation. Certainly large technology companies that do a lot with large volumes of data are the focus here. I think they're all also a couple of fairly clear national security implications with this legislation about sort of China's expectation for reciprocity or China's ability to act you know, beyond a specific company at issue if it feels that the laws or rules aren't being followed. But but I would I would think the the folks who would want to pay the closest attention to the details and to adhering to the details will be the folks working in China primarily on behalf of non-Chinese companies helping non-Chinese companies comply. So what should those folks be doing right now? I'm thinking at every level of the organization, it sounds like we need to get ready. So thinking about it from the board of directors level down, and the board members may not sit in China, they might be outside of China, but what should those folks be doing at the different levels? Board of directors, senior management, all the way down to folks who might be sitting in China and taking care of digital operations. Well, taking a step back, I'm not giving any specific legal advice here. Oh, I was waiting uh, for that. <laughs> I tried to wait. I tried to wait for as long as possible to put in <laughs> disclaimers and be sort of a dowdy lawyer. But um, now that getting, I think, look, it's a great question. And obviously the thing to do is identify the laws, figure out how to comply with the laws, figure out how to make sure you can demonstrate you're complying with the laws. That's sort of the most basic thing that an organization should think about. But it also, it's, it's really helpful and important to know who you're working with, particularly if legislation like this prompts organizations to forge new business relationships in areas where they haven't had business relationships in the past to really know who you're working with, make sure there's transparency, make sure there's appropriate supervision and communication, just because it, when there are countless examples, certainly examples of, of non-Chinese companies doing business in China, where employees operating in China have gotten into trouble and have gotten their non-Chinese employers into trouble for just doing things that they maybe shouldn't have been doing. Do you think there's an incentive for some organizations or some entities to pull out of China in terms of physical presence? I'm kind of thinking back to when Russia implemented its blogger laws and Intel pulled out of Russia and said, you know what, we're just going to host everything outside of Russia and there's not much that you can do about it. And we're still going to welcome Russian blogger data on our servers. We're going to host that information, including personal information outside of Russia and not much you can do about it. And 
sure enough, world went on. Is that an incentive for folks who maybe provide online services or things that don't necessarily have to have a physical presence in China? Yeah, I think it's possible, but I I think it's a lot harder to uh, disentangle, I think, from China in the technology space than maybe it it was in that example with Russia. I mean, so many technology companies already have healthy commercial relationships with businesses in China, either on the manufacturing side or on the on the customer side. And it's it, it my guess is that we're not going to see very many organizations moving away from China. I think they're there's we're going to see the organizations that are there and are committed are are going to try to do their best to figure out how to how to work through this. Do you think actually that we're going to see more of that just in general, more types of laws like this coming around the world, individual countries and having to stand up individual solutions per country? Or is there an opportunity to kind of scale somehow? Because I'm looking at this and it's a question I get all the time. Folks say, well, I have to do GDPR. I have to comply with CCPA. I have to you know, comply with PPN South Africa. We have a separate law in Brazil. Canada has its own flavor. So this is flavor number 37 at Baskin Robbins in, in China. The next one's coming. The economies of scale aren't necessarily there. And yet when we think about digital, it is a borderless world. Is there advice to companies or is this just the new reality that we're living in and they should adjust? I think it's absolutely the new reality and the analog that I point to when I have, have conversations like, like the ones you're talking about are the data breach reporting requirement laws in the United States. Now, a fair amount of my practices in cybersecurity space, working with companies in response to, to data breaches or other, you know, hacking activities. And one of the startling realities that organizations face when they're the victim of a data breach is that depending on the individuals whose personal information is impacted, there may be 50 different states that need to be notified in some way, shape, or form, or individuals in each of the 50 states need to be notified. And there's subtle variations, in some cases, not so subtle variations along those reporting requirements. And it's crazy that that's the case, but that's the case. And if the 50 states can't from their legislators' perspectives and their governors' perspectives and their attorneys general perspectives, can't put their heads together to figure out what could we come up with as a uniform data breach reporting legislation and just have every state pass the same thing. You know, no, that's not what happened. And it seems unlikely that that's going to happen. So, you know, it's even further, further removed to imagine different countries coming up with a kind of uniform set of data privacy requirements and you know, how to how to set that out and make it easy for organizations that operate globally to have a one size fits all solution. In this new complex world, what does that look like when companies get entangled in a data breach situation? I'm thinking about this because um, I thought you brought up a really great example of data breach. And there's a heavy focus, at least under GDPR, that we're seeing as far as breaches go. I imagine China's going to be the same thing. But you have a lot of breaches, and some of them are purely because of you know monetary reasons, but some of them are political. Do you think that China's going to start using sort of this new law as a way to penalize 
companies and sort of make do on things that are aimed more at the U.S. government rather than at the companies themselves? Is that a lever that they might be pulling at some point? Or do you think that the law itself is just truly based on economic and personal data interests? Trying to predict what will happen. Trying to predict the right answer to your question is ain't easy. I can, let me put it this way. The way the law is written, as it appears to be, I don't think it would be impossible for China or some Chinese enforcement entity to use the law in some way, shape or form in the event of a data breach where Chinese data held outside the U.S. was compromised. So is that a primary purpose of the law? I have no idea. That's, it doesn't appear to be, but it also doesn't preclude any entity within China from doing something in, in this situation like that. And we talked a little bit about who the law is aimed to protect, right? So including during a cyber event of whatever sort could happen. But we talked about it applying to Chinese citizens and it's applicable to companies that are doing business in China, whether they're physically in China, outside of China. Does the law also protect Chinese citizens when they're traveling abroad, like or if they're living abroad, or is it strictly within the actual borders of the country? That's a good question. I don't have that at my fingertips, but my guess is that it does because it is, well, it certainly could because it is written broadly in a way that if data impacted is relevant for some national interest purposes, then the law applies. So even if it doesn't explicitly speak to Chinese citizens living abroad, traveling abroad, whatever, if in the event some data is mismanaged or mishandled or improperly stored or sent in one of those circumstances and the data at issue happened to be important for national security purposes, or could at least be articulated as important for national security purposes, then I think whoever is tasked with enforcing this, this law would raise their hand and say, yes, we, we have jurisdiction. We have the reach. We can do something about it. I was wondering about that because I, I often tend to kind of look to GDPR and say, you know, are they trying to also protect the citizens of EU citizens who are traveling outside of the EU? But that doesn't seem to be as heavily of an interest. And perhaps it's because, again, it's a conglomerate of, of states rather than a single state with a single kind of idiom or interest in protecting their own national security. Well, what is the next big thing then that you think organizations should be thinking about? We have this law coming into effect, right? We're in the final countdown. It's going to take a while to get all the details worked out. It sounds like we need to kind of adopt a do things to come into compliance, but also wait and see methodology here. Other things that folks should be doing tactically to get prepared, you think, beyond just sort of extending the same kind of practices they had for GDPR or even maybe CCPA to China, mapping data making sure that uh, they're practicing good cyber safety hygiene. What else should they be doing? Anything? I, I think that the, the data mapping component of it is probably the most important because if, if, you can, if you can overcome the hurdle of being able to at least isolate and identify the actual data that's relevant for this law, for when it comes into it, for when it goes live, for when it may be, more thoroughly uh, regulated or enforced and just 
understanding how, where that data is, how that data is being managed, how it can be dissected and extracted and moved around if necessary. We'll just give organizations, I would think the most flexibility to respond to however things play out. Yeah, that's great. Well, Phil, I have to say, I'm very curious to see how this is all going to unfold. And I'd appreciate if you come back and tell us some more as we start to learn more details. And I trust that you'll definitely be on the cutting edge of that. Yeah, I, I'm happy to, to, to come back and, and share more and hopefully share some actual concrete details of, of what happens and who's going to do what and to whom and when and in a in an uplifting and optimistic view of things. Hopefully it's all just global geopolitic posturing stuff and companies will be able to go about their business and not be too worried about this. Well, I don't know. I'm suspecting that you're going to be in business for a while with uh, these types of events going on. So I, I, maybe I'm a little bit more pessimistic, but I'm seeing GDPR with maybe some more wild enforcement, but that's also the naysayer in me. Phil, thanks for taking the time. This has been awesome. I really enjoyed the conversation. I appreciate you making the time. Thank you for joining the Power of Digital Policy. To sign up for our newsletter, get access to policy checklists, detailed information on policies, and other helpful resources, head over to thepowerofdigitalpolicy.com. If you get a moment, please leave a review on iTunes to help your digital colleagues find out about the podcast.